This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washette, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. And what a start to the weekend it was for Nebraska as the Huskers picked up arguably one of their biggest uh, commitments of the season and not necessarily off the star rating uh, when you look at this Matt Farniak commitment the Huskers landed on Wednesday night but just based on location sheer resources time effort and as we bring in Nate Klaus you know when I think about recruiting at Nebraska Nate it's hard for me to think of a prospect that Nebraska has spent more time trips to Sioux Falls having him come on campus than Matt Farniak over the last four years. One that spanned two different coaching staffs. I mean, this has been a guy who's been a, a, a top priority for two different coaching staffs for, you know, well over three years now. And, and for it to end this way uh, was uh, had to have been extremely satisfying to this coaching staff. He was a guy who's right at the top of the board from, you know, from wire to wire. And, and for and you mentioned it, you know, for, to be at out a division foe, another Big Ten foe, uh, to land this guy who's, you know, right in your backyard at a position of need like offensive tackle. Um, I mean, I mean, it's a huge recruiting victory for Nebraska, no doubt about it. Yeah, we, we, we only have him as a three-star, a high three-star, but we've had this conversation several times that, you know, it's where he's located. I mean, mm-hmm. if this guy is in Texas or – you know, Ohio, um, there's no doubt he, he's probably even a top 100 guy, um, especially with maybe more coaching and development he's going to get uh, once he gets to a place like Nebraska. He's Matt Farniak, when you look at this commitment, and by the way, Nebraska now number 25 as of Thursday morning in the rivals recruiting rankings. So uh, all those people that keep asking that question, Nate, what are the chances of this class being mm-hmm. in the top 25? Well, today, right now, it's there. Yeah, it's there, and and it's taken a, a huge leap from from where they were at just two weeks ago, sitting you know in the mid forties, um, you know being uh, you know having a lot of people question what's what's going on with recruiting, when you know how are they going to finish, it, and I think a lot of people were hitting that panic button, but um, you know over the last week we've seen four commitments. Um, just landed Matt Farniak last night, which was a huge win. And then there's still a lot out there for this staff. So we, we could possibly see that ranking, you know, climb into the, the top 20 here. And uh, I think you have to be satisfied with that if you're a Nebraska fan. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as Nebraska's closing out this recruiting class. Uh, Huskers now up to number 25 in the Rivals.com team rankings. Matt Farniak gives them commit number 19. Uh, still some other guys on the board. And we'll talk about that in our final segment as uh, we kind of give get, Nate will give his thoughts on the key targets to watch. But what impressed me about Farniak's deal was Mike Riley went into the home on Wednesday, and there was a lot of momentum off the Iowa trip for Matt Farniak. You heard Iowa fans, coaches from Iowa, kind of leaking it out there that they felt like they had Farniak after the weekend. Then Kirk Ferentz and his son Brian Ferentz went up to Sioux Falls. I believe it was Monday night. And they, they kind of had the piggyback in-home visit off the official. So, I mean, it was basically 72 straight hours of Kirk Ferentz around the Farniaks. And Mike Riley goes in there Wednesday night. And none of us thought that they would go down like this. But this is where you earn your money as a head coach. He convinced Matt Farniak it was the time to commit. And that, that's what impressed me the most. Yeah, I mean, you had a, a heavy dose of Iowa. And there's a lot of, quote-unquote, Iowa insiders saying that Matt Farniak was a lock uh, to end up in Iowa City. And that, uh, you know, he wasn't going to be going to Nebraska. You had people um, 
you know, kind of leaking it out there that the Ferentz was uh, was telling the Farniak and their family that, hey, um, you know, you don't want to go to Nebraska because of the, the stability that surrounds the whole situation there. Um, you know, I think that maybe I don't know if Iowa got desperate um, and I don't know for for fact that that was, you know, necessarily one of their last pitches to the family. But from talking with uh, with Farniak last night, he said he knew about Tuesday night that that's that he, you know, that he was feeling like Nebraska might be the place. And then Mike, Mike Riley, Danny Langsdorf, Mike Kavanaugh going home and and seal the deal on, on Wednesday night. So, um you know, it was extremely interesting to see how this all played out because I think a lot of Nebraska fans were nervous because you you had a guy who had visited Lincoln probably eight or nine times over the last few years and, um, you know, and still hadn't pulled the trigger. It's like, what more can Nebraska do to get this guy in the boat? You know, and I, what impressed me also, Nate, was the strategy of that in-home visit. You get one with Mike Riley, and I think the timing of saving that thing was huge. <laughs> Uh, because sometimes you get a little trigger happy and you use it to visit in December or you burn it earlier in the January month. But to sit on that in-home for this long, that's not easy to do. What do you think went into that strategy to hold that visit as long as they did? Well, I think Nebraska, through developing the relationship with Matt Farniak, I think they, they had a pretty good idea that this was going to come down to the wire. And they wanted to, to strategically have that last in-home visit with Mike Riley. And they knew that they could bring in, you know, a lot of other offensive assistants, uh, a lot of other firepower to come in there and uh, be around the family to, to help, you know, maybe give that last final push uh, their way. Uh, and it's all about knowing your your, your recruit. Um, you know, we saw Mike Riley go right out the gate early on in the, the contact period in December using a lot of in-home visits, I think, to help set the bar, to help, you know, kind of place them higher than a lot of schools and show how much of a priority um, those kids were to Nebraska. But Matt Farniak always knew how much of a priority he was uh, to the Huskers. And, uh, and I think to Nebraska's credit, they knew exactly – uh, how he operated and that how crucial having Mike Riley have the last in-home would be. And they, they played it perfectly. Yeah, we, we were talking even as a junior when Farniak was there. I mean, the previous staff, Barney Cotton flew to Rapid City to watch him play yeah. a game on a bye week when you couldn't <laughs> even have contact um, with a pr- prospect of that age. And this year on the bye week, Mike, Mike Riley flew a private jet to Sioux Falls uh, the day after Nebraska won at Rutgers to spend the whole day with the coaching staff. So the the effort, the resources, the time, um, it was just impressive. And, you know, you almost consider him like an in-state guy. I mean, there's no doubt he would be the number one player in Nebraska right now without any question. Um, and I consider Sioux Falls really an extension of the in-state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sioux Falls is a big Nebraska, uh, you know, uh, there's a big Nebraska contingent there and uh, with it being right, you know, you know, close proximity, I think that, uh, and you, you had to have a guy like Nate Gary already on the team from the same high school. Uh, I mean, it, this was just a guy you had to get. Um, it'd be like losing an in-state guy. And, and what would be worse if you lost that guy is if you lost him to, you know, your, your quote unquote rival uh, within the big 10 West division. So, um, you know, there's no question Nebraska coaches were extremely relieved, uh, you know, when this all played out the way it did. We're talking Matt Farniak's commitment with Nate Klaus as Nebraska now uh, up to 19 commits as a Thursday morning, ranked 25th in the Rivals.com team rankings. Um, you know, you think about the history of South Dakota. Really, though, Nate, Nebraska, I feel like, has gotten the guys they've wanted. The only one they've really lost was Riley Reeve. Yeah. 
and that had to do more with the coaching change. But he was committed to Nebraska at one time. Uh, history tells you Nebraska should beat Iowa for the South Dakota kid. Um, but the Riley Reef one was a big one. He ended up being a first-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you think about the history of the Vedral brothers. They, they were walk-ons. I think the, young, the oldest ones, the three Vedral brothers, uh, Nate Gary. You know, Nebraska's got a good history in South Dakota. Um, who was the lineman that never panned out with the blood clots? Ryan Schuler. That was basically supposed yep. to be Matt Farniak yep. back in 2003. Uh, ho- hopefully Matt Farniak can, can um, you know, give Nebraska that type of career because we, we thought at that time Shuler was going to be that kind of player. Yeah, Shuler was looked at as a, as a can't-miss prospect at that time. And, and really, I mean, he definitely had the tools. Uh, just kind of unfortunate the way things played out with the blood clot. But, uh, yeah, Nebraska's had a, a very good history of pulling guys out of South Dakota. You know, like you mentioned, it, it may not be a long history. There's not, you know, the list isn't isn't crazy long, but the guys that they've actively wanted from the state, you know, more times than not, they, they've gotten those players. And, um, you know, and adding Farniak in this offensive line class, I, I think, is, is really nice because when you look at the makeup of this group, they're all Midwest guys. They're, you know, you've got a South Dakota kid, you've got an Iowa kid, uh, you've got a, a Bo Wilson out of Kansas City. I mean, uh, you know Brian Brokop out of Illinois. They're all kind of they're all kind of cut out of the same cloth, I think. And uh, that could be you know that could be big for Nebraska going forward. Uh, all these kids are are you know kind of the have that same type of makeup uh, or mean nasty guys with uh, with a lot of potential. Yeah, I'm I'm done with the the Texas the Florida. I mean, they just don't fit the style up here in, in the Big Ten and. Uh, I'm glad that they've kind of gone back to a regional type of recruit. But we have a full show here on tap. Uh, in our next segment, uh, I caught up with Adam Gorney, um, who's down at the Senior Bowl and uh, also our Rivals.com West Coast analyst. He's got some very good insight uh, about Patrick O'Brien, about Keyshawn Johnson, Darnay Holmes. Uh, you, you won't want to miss what Gorney has to say. Uh, we'll also talk basketball with Robin Washett and Dan Hoppen. Uh, Scott May, the head coach of Colin Miller, Nebraska's latest commit, uh, one of the latest commits out of Indiana, joins us here. And then we'll close the show with Nate again as he gives his final takes on the key prospects before signing day. But Adam Gorney will join us next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. We're pleased to be joined by my good friend, Adam Gorney, a national recruiting analyst for Rivals.com. And Adam, you're down at the the Senior Bowl, and that's a trip that we made years ago together. I remember uh, I was able to interview Nick Saban on that trip to get him to confirm that Sean Watson turned down the Alabama 07 uh, O coordinator job. That was We had some fun times, and... Uh, seeing Jack Del Rio wearing sunglasses in the dark. I mean, it, it was it was a fun trip out there to uh, Mobile a few years back. Yeah, those those were the days, and and it continues to be fun. A couple weeks before signing day, it's nice to come back. And what's really nice is you saw these kids go through the recruiting process, and three or four years later, they're down here at the Senior Bowl, and some of them remember you. You talk about some of the good old days, and you know, they've developed as players and stuff, but it's just kind of a neat experience to get down here and cover the event again. Yeah. What, when you're, when you're down there and I, I know Mike Farrell's with you, uh, what have you, what's jumped out to you about a guy or two that you covered in the recruiting process that's now down there in Mobile? You know, one of the guys that I didn't cover in the recruiting process that has looked great so far and, and kind of in your neck of the woods is, is Carson Wentz, the North Dakota state quarterback. He's really proven, that he's going to be one of the first quarterbacks taken in this draft. I think all of the questions that people had about 
you know, competition level and arm strength and all those kinds of things, um, just because they don't have, you know, a wide view of, of his entire career has been answered in two days of practice. I think he's clearly the best quarterback here. He has great size, a tremendous arm, um, just everything that you're looking for. And, and as he goes through these next couple of weeks and talks to NFL teams, you know, just, just kind of hanging around with him for about 10 minutes, you can tell he's a really poised kid, good head on his shoulders, that kind of thing. So I don't think there's going to be any issues off the field that are going to concern NFL teams. And so I think he's going to be a guy, um, you know, that definitely stands out. But there there are so many guys, and what's, what's really taken me aback and what continues to do it is that these guys are just about the same size as they were in high school. They, um, you know, they, they have all the muscle in high school now. They're huge guys. And so once they get to college, it's really about refining their game and making them better players instead of just building them up physically too. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the guys that I saw in high school, whether it was California kids or, or elsewhere covering the Army game and Under Armour game, they kind of look the same. They're just a little bit more mature in the face, and, and but it's just that their game has gotten so much better, and that's really what has stood out. We're talking with Rivals.com's Adam Gorney, and Adam, your specialty is the West Coast, and uh, for Nebraska, there's a lot going on here for the final week in recruiting uh, out on the West Coast. Let's start with Lamar Jackson, uh, the nation's number one ranked safety. Uh, Nebraska has been looked at as uh, the leader at this point. What have you heard? What have you seen? What can you tell us about where Nebraska's at with Lamar Jackson? I've heard nothing different, and so that's probably a good sign for Nebraska moving into this last week here. I think if there's one reservation, it's going that far away from home. That's probably the only obstacle they face now. I think he sees early playing time there. I think he loves the coaching staff. I think that's a huge factor in his recruitment. Um, You know, USC continues to push. He took a visit to Arizona, and in Arizona, the coaches were both out to see him recently, so I think that is a little bit of, of an issue. Um, but right now, I would expect Lamar Jackson to, you know, to to be at Nebraska on signing day, um, if that if that were today. You know, the the next week is all as you know is is could be a very tricky time, um, and a lot of decisions are quickly made. Um, but I think Nebraska is in a very good position to get his commitment. When you look at Mike Riley and just his reputation on the West Coast, I mean, he was a San Diego Chargers head coach, obviously years at Oregon State. Uh, and USC's offensive coordinator at one time. How much has his reputation helped Nebraska recruit on the West Coast this year? I think a lot because <clears throat> the kids know know him as the as the old Oregon State coach, and he didn't do a tremendous amount of winning there because it's an impossible job. Um, but what he did there was build a lot of great relationships with high school coaches who still send their kids um, to the coaches that they have relationships with. He's known as a really honest and straightforward guy. And in recruiting, sometimes that's, that's a tremendous plus. So, um, you know, a lot of coaches will talk up Nebraska, but not so much Nebraska, but Mike, Mike Riley being there. And so um, a lot of kids will take visits, as you've seen. A lot of kids will end up going there because, you know, the history, the tradition, all the stuff that Nebraska football offers isn't necessarily the same in the Pac-12. And so um, I think that. It's been a tremendous boost for kids on the West Coast to start really taking a serious look at Nebraska. I mean, four or five years ago, would you imagine a Lamar Jackson or a Darnay Holmes would be very serious about Nebraska? I don't think so. So, um, you know, I think that that 
sort of the Riley factor playing in there. We're talking uh, Nebraska's connections on the West Coast here with Adam Gorney of Rivals.com. And let's talk about that big, maybe the biggest relationship Mike Riley has uh, uh, with the boisterous, always uh, fun to talk to, Keyshawn Johnson. And um, just, you know, from your perspective, I know out here you know, we've seen Keyshawn come up here five times, and every time he comes, he brings an army of kids, and they're all highly rated. Um, how legitimate is all this for Nebraska? I mean, because you hear naysayers, oh, you know, it's too good to be true. But um, do you think this group of kids, the Darnay Holmes, Keyshawn Johnson, uh, Christian Jebbia, I mean, could this group all – is there a chance they could all land at Nebraska someday? There is a chance. And what I'll say about Keyshawn Johnson is, and what I respect about him in our relationship is that he's always straightforward with me and he's not a guy that's going to waste time. So he's not going to Nebraska – for attention. He doesn't care about that stuff. And he's just looking for the best opportunity for his son and the people that are close to him. So another thing that Keyshawn has said is that why go somewhere where something is already established when you can go somewhere and kind of make a name for yourself and really establish something special. And what can't be discounted in Keyshawn Johnson's relationship. And and so his son is, is considering this is how Mike Riley treated Keyshawn Johnson at USC. It was very good. Keyshawn Johnson swears by Mike Riley and his coaching, and so that can have an effect. I'm not so certain that it influences Darnay Holmes in the same way, um, although he is listening and loves going to Nebraska and all those kinds of things. Um, I think Stanford and some other schools are, are pulling him more than Nebraska, but there's no doubt Nebraska's in it. But for Keyshawn Johnson Jr., it's definitely a tremendous factor. Um, his dad's opinion is, is, is a big thing um, when he looks at his recruiting and Keyshawn Johnson Sr. swears by Mike Riley. So that's, that's a huge factor for all those Calabasas kids and all the kids on, you know, the seven-on-seven team that Keyshawn runs. And um, I think it will be something moving forward now. If they all end up at Nebraska, probably unlikely. But it's definitely something um, that keeps Nebraska in the running. Well, and Adam, Nebraska is going to sign a, a solid group of Californians this year, led by quarterback Patrick O'Brien, uh, wide receiver Darian Grimm. Uh, what do you like about this group? Let's first start with O'Brien. I mean, this is a kid that was really not on, I mean, he was on the radar, but not considered high priority. Um, and, and he really blew up here over the last year. Yeah, I like O'Brien a lot. And, and I'm worried that, his, that he's going to be one of those guys that has a tremendous college career. And I didn't have him ranked high enough. He's um, a smart kid, a big arm. He can make all the throws. And his, his accuracy, which is obviously the most important thing with quarterbacks, is, is spot on. So, um, you know, he, he didn't play in any of the big um, all-star events. He played with B2G in the summer, so I saw a lot of seven-on-seven. Um, but his high school team didn't play a tremendous schedule. And so out in Southern California, if you're not going to a game with 10, 15 Division One kids, you're kind of missing out on a weekend. And so um, I, I like O'Brien a lot. I have for a long time. And I know that he's a guy that can go to Nebraska and, and play um, really well. Grimm is a kid who I saw during 7-on-7, seven seven, who I also like uh, a lot. But he also plays um, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And so he put up tremendous stats doing that. He's an athletic kid. He's a playmaker, and so, you know, that's what I like about him. And that's, um, you know, definitely two guys, and, and typical Mike Riley guys, guys that maybe were a little bit overlooked by Pac-12 schools, 
didn't get as much love as they probably should have from the big-time Pac-12 schools will go out to Nebraska and probably have good careers. What was surprising about O'Brien is no one really ever made a run at him. I mean, he stayed committed, uh, but as his rating rose, um, you never heard much chatter of another team maybe trying to make a run at him. Yeah, you know, you know that is surprising to me, and I, I think that's I think that plays two ways. One, teams could have expressed interest, and he was clear that he wasn't going anywhere, and um, and so they backed off immediately, and then everyone else got word. Uh, kind of not to waste their time, um, but two, I think it's it's the same thing. You know, quarterbacks commit early. You know, once they're locked in, they're locked in. Um, some will start looking around a little bit, and and some won't. And I, I just don't think, you know, once Patrick O'Brien, you know, saw Nebraska, and once he started getting that attention from those coaches and committed, he wasn't going to be a guy that said, you know, if someone closer to home steps up, I'm going to go there. He, he he stayed committed and. And the the lack of major interest late, I don't think is a concern at all. Rivals.com's Adam Gorney, our guest here. Adam, enjoy Mobile and get yourself some rest uh, to get ready for a busy signing day next week. Thanks, Sean. All right, well, we come back on the show. We'll talk Nebraska basketball with Robin Washett. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, I think it's a different position for our team to be in and to understand that Michigan understands that, that we go ahead of them in the standings, right, or tie them in the standings, right, tie them in the standings if they lose. This is the only time they play. Uh, so this is like a must win, and an, an experienced team knows that. And we talked about it with our guys, you know, where they'd be in the standings if they win and where they'd be if they lost. But trying to educate them, but uh, unfortunately – you know, Michigan played really well. I think you have to compliment on how well they shot the ball early in each half, too, because that really got you skittish. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show, taking a quick break on the recruiting chatter as uh, we, we do our weekly segment here on Nebraska basketball. Let's bring in Robin Washett and Dan Hoppin here of Husker Online as Robin Nebraska really had an opportunity this past Saturday, a 1 o'clock game in Pinnacle Bank, almost 16,000 in attendance. I mean, the stage was really set to to have kind of one of those possible season-turning games, and, and the only problem was Michigan shot the lights out. Uh, Wolverines beat the Huskers 81-68. Um, what were your big takeaways of that game and where this team's at now? Yeah, certainly disappointing, especially following up that Michigan State performance where, you know, that was arguably – uh, Nebraska's best all-around game of the season, you know, to come out and with all the momentum behind you and kind of lay an egg like that. But like you said, a lot of that had to do with just Michigan being unreal. I mean, Derek Walton nearly posted a triple-double. They get 21 points from Duncan Robinson, 14 four points by Mark Donnell. I mean, and then they shoot 53% from the field, and at one point in the second half, we're hitting 81% of their shots. I mean, there's only so much you can do as a team and until you just got to tip your hat at your opponent for uh, really putting together a, a, an impressive outing. So it was definitely a disappointment. But, you know, 
I don't know if this is that big of a setback. I mean, this was a pretty severe uphill climb for Nebraska to really, um, you know, I know after that Michigan State game, people were talking about a potential NCAA tournament run. Well, that was a, a maybe a bit of a pie in the sky type deal. And so I think their goals, as far as realistic uh, postseason uh, berths, as far as NIT, I think are still definitely within reach, but uh, they're running out of time and they got to start putting together some of these signature wins where, you know, they win these toss up games, especially those toss up games at home. Robin, uh, Michigan started the game. Uh, on an 18 to six run, uh, started off really well, and then Nebraska kind of battled back, got it close at halftime, and then Michigan starts the second half on a 21 to six run. Is that a one game kind of anomaly, or are you concerned about Nebraska's, you know, struggles to start both halves? Yeah, I mean that was obviously the story of that game with the, the discrepancy with with both those halves started, but. I don't. I, there's been other games where Nebraska's jumped all over teams. I mean, go back to the Iowa game when you know they were up 13 to 12 to nothing or something like that. And I mean, so I don't know if I'd put too much stock into you know the the starts being that big of an issue. I mean, they've they've reared their head in previous games, but there's been just as many instances throughout the year where I don't necessarily put that as you know maybe one of the biggest concerns, but. Obviously, you know, in a game like that, especially again at home, you can't put yourself in that big of a hole, especially against a good, uh, you know, conference opponent that's, you know, pushing for an NCAA tournament berth in their own right. Uh, You can't give them that big of a head start to start, you know, not only the game, but to the second half as well. We're talking Husker basketball here with Robin Washett, Dan Hoppin, Sean Callahan, as now Nebraska Robin goes to West Lafayette to play a very good Purdue team, a team. That's pretty upset after losing to Iowa over the weekend. Uh, that's a 3:30 game, and then they come back home on National Signing Day for football Wednesday night and play Maryland at yeah. 7:30. Uh, so this murderer's row stretch continues for Nebraska. What are the realistic chances of Nebraska being able to match up that physical size of Purdue and West Lafayette on Saturday? Yeah, this will literally be the biggest challenge Nebraska has faced this season. When you look at Purdue's roster, uh, it is kind of a nightmare scenario for a Nebraska team that, uh, as we've discussed at length, has severe depth issues in the low post. Uh, You know, led by A.J. Hammonds, the seven-foot senior, uh, the Boilermakers have four guys 6'10 or taller including three of which were former four or five star recruits uh, along with AJ Hammonds they have Isaac Haas who's 7'2 282 and then a freshman Caleb Swanigan who was a you know four star rivals 150 guy uh you know what maybe the one of the top big men recruits of his class coming in. So uh, it's going to be a severe challenge for Nebraska to match up. I mean, they're not going to match up. So they have to find ways to counter. And so how do you do that? Well, you utilize what is, you know, the opposite ends of these mismatches, you know, on offense. Use a guy like Michael Jacobson or Siobhan Shields to bring those big guys out in space. Don't let them just hang out by the basket. And maybe as important as anything, you got to make your three-point shots because I have no doubt Purdue's going to come in there in a zone and make Nebraska beat him with jumpers. And if they miss those jumpers, it's going to be a very long night. Defensively, we've kind of seen Tim Miles get a little bit more creative in recent games. Mm-hmm. He's used more of a press. He's even gone zone a little bit. Could you see Miles maybe using some more zone against Purdue to try and negate that size advantage that the Boilermakers have inside? Absolutely, because when you look at Purdue's roster, the weakness is probably at the point guard spot, and uh, they're in the backcourt in general. And so Nebraska's best chance to keep those big guys from dominating down low is to keep them out of a half-court offense. So I wouldn't be surprised one bit to see a whole lot of press. And Purdue's had issues turning the ball over the season. I mean, when you look in Big Ten play, 
They are two and three when they've turned the ball over 10 times or more and three and zero when they've turned it over less than 10 times. So uh, turnovers are going to be the key here. And, uh, you know, they just forced 14 turnovers against Michigan, who has significantly better guards. And so uh, with a lot of that had to do with more usage of the press. And we saw more press against Michigan State, too. So uh, Nebraska's advantage here is going to be in the backcourt. And I wouldn't be surprised one bit to see Tim Miles turn the pressure up and just prevent Purdue from settling into that half-court offense and just dumping it down to those big guys. It's been the bye week for Nebraska, so a lot of the coaches to do some recruiting, Robin, and locally uh, there was about as big of a recruiting opportunity as Tim Miles is going to get. Um, Aguibu Rope from Omaha South already committed to Nebraska for the class of 2017, uh, but then 2018 Papillion La Vista standout Ed Chang um, also played in that game, a one-versus-two matchup. Uh, we covered the game. Uh, you were there with Greg Peterson. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that was uh, certainly the game of the year as far as Class A high school basketball goes in, in the state of Nebraska. And it was a sellout crowd. The student section was jacked, and it was a celebrity appearance with, you know, Tim Miles made the trip over. Uh, Darren Hansen from UNO was there, and uh, so several Nebraska. A lot of selfies. Yeah, of, I swear he took about 150 pictures during that game. I felt bad for him. I mean, it's like, it's like Obama was in the house or something like that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and then they had, you know, several members of the Nebraska football team. Uh, Brandon Riley was there along with Dylan Utter and Riker Fife and uh, the UNO's entire basketball team was there too. I mean, it was a star-studded event uh, as far as Nebraska high school athletic goes, but uh, it was certainly the spotlight was on Ed Chang and Aguk Rope and Aguk played maybe the best game that I've ever seen him. And I've, I've watched him several times and uh, he started, I think he was eight of eight from the field and ended up finishing 14 of 16 from the field. And I uh, had about six or seven rebounds, and he, he was just lights out and really was an impressive uh, performance by him just to show how far he's come. I mean, even from the start of the season with his confidence and his aggressiveness offensively. And uh, Ed Chang had a relatively quiet night. I think he had 14 points, eight rebounds, and or, uh, four he's blocks. A, I mean, the key four is blocks. he's a prospect. Well, yeah. Oh, no doubt. I mean, you look at he is just dripping with potential. I mean, you don't find kids that are 6'7", that long I seven mean, foot wingspan oh man his arms they, they literally seem like they go down to his knees and then uh you know you add in the fact that you know he's got a pretty good uh basketball skill set too he's a shooter and he can dribble like as well as a guard as on their team but with both those guys they're playing out of position they're playing you know basically power forward centers for their team because of the height but when you look at them at the next level they're going to be wings and guards and i'm really interested to see how they continue to develop uh, as far as being backcourt players at the college level Open Nebraska plays at Purdue Saturday, 3.30, and they'll be back home Wednesday against Maryland. That's a 7.30 game. Robin, best of luck here as, as you get ready for a, cover a big one on Saturday. Yeah, hopefully they can keep this thing going and give fans something to cheer about. When we come back here on the show, we're going to catch up with the head coach of Nebraska's latest defensive end recruit, Colin Miller. We talked to Scott May. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show as the countdown to signing day continues. And Nebraska had a very productive weekend last week, and it was highlighted by the verbal commitment of defensive end, outside linebacker prospect Colin Miller out of Hamilton Southeastern High School in Indiana. And we're pleased to be joined now here on the Husker Online show by Miller's head coach, Scott May. Coach, first of all, thanks for some time here as we get close to signing day. No problem. Uh, happy to do it. 
Well, yeah, you, you've coached a lot of good players and been around a lot of guys over your time. What, what, stu- what stands out to you about Colin uh, when you break down his game? Well, I think Colin's uh, two things. He's explosive and, and plays very physical. Uh, you know, just a kid that's got a great motor and, and loves the game. We're talking here with uh, Hamilton Southeastern head coach Scott May as we break down Nebraska's latest commitment, Colin Miller. And, you know, the relationship with Nebraska really picked up uh, over the last month. How did that all play out with Nebraska uh, kind of coming in here later maybe than expected and then pulling this off? Well, I just think, you know, Nebraska football is, is well-known and, and Big Ten. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, they came in late on Colin. He, he – uh, had uh, had some other opportunities, but I think once he got out there and, and got to see uh, see everything and get to talk to coaches and players, that uh, he just fell in love and thinks it's the right place for him. You know, you've dealt with a lot of coaches and staffs. What stood out to you, maybe about Mike Riley and his guys with with your meetings and dealings with him over the last month? Well, I mean, a lot of it, I you know, was done through talent uh, more than me. But I mean, the time I met him, they they're great guys and. You know, seemed like they were definitely uh, very interested in Colin at that time. And, uh, you know, just up front and honest guys, and, and that's all you can ask for. Latest Nebraska recruit Colin Miller's head coach, uh, Scott May, is joining us here on the Husker Online Show. How do you see Nebraska using Colin, and how much bigger can he realistically get? I know uh, we've got him listed at 230 pounds, 6'3". Um, do you see him adding more weight, and, and can he keep the same speed as he gets bigger? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's got the frame for it. I mean, he's he's thin and lean right now. And uh, he, he came into our camp about 250 this year, so he had put some weight on, uh, but got sick, got a flu, and, and was out for about a week for us and, and lost a lot of that weight and just never really put it back on. So um, I've seen him at, you know, 250, and he can move just as, just as well. And, you know, obviously, like I said, he's, he's a physical football player. What jumped out to you just about his senior year, maybe to com- compared to his junior year, as far as um, the improvements he made and, and, and kind of what were some of the highlights from your perspective? Well, you know, he, he definitely had improvements. Some, you know, sometimes what I see at, a, at the high school level, kids get some offers and all of a sudden they start thinking about high, or college instead of high school, and that that wasn't Callum. He had a he had a great senior year. He had a you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of sacks. There was one game we had against the team where quarterbacks going to uh, Clemson actually, and he, we had 11 sacks that night. So, I mean, he he just had a lot of energy and and you know really really took care of high school football and did things the right way. And I was you know just excited to see that. Hamilton Southeastern head coach Scott May, our guest. Uh, you know, you coached another notable Nebraska player in your program, Randy Gregory, defensive end now with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, do you still keep up with Randy? I mean, uh, how much do you guys talk, and, and and what has his impact at Nebraska maybe had on your program uh, just for some other players coming up? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, we, we we text a little bit back and forth, but uh, haven't seen him for a while. Um, he's, you know, his family, don't, they don't live around here anymore, and obviously he's he's out there. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think it's, you know, obviously a good thing. Anytime you have a kid go somewhere and be successful and, and move on to the next level, it's uh, something you can point to to the kids and, and you know, let, let guys know it can be done. 
Yeah, what kind of impact did that maybe have on, on Collins' decision just with Nebraska? Uh, you know, I think that was something he mentioned a long time ago to us that um, because of Randy, that was one of the reasons he came up. I believe it was the spring game last year to, to, to look at Nebraska. Well, I think those two have had some communication. So, I mean, I, I think there's there was some influence there that, you know, just, just touching bases and letting, letting them know what, what it was like. And uh, I think that helped. Yeah, when you coached Randy – uh, what was he like as a player? I mean, did you see the pass rushing brilliance at that level, or was, was he raw, kind of more of a basketball player playing football, and he's developed it over time? I mean, how how, how was Randy as far as being a player in your program in, in those days? Well, he he was he was an amazing pass rusher from the from the beginning. He uh, started playing for us as a sophomore at, at defensive end and and had great pass rush. That's all I used him for at that point. He was. He was a basketball guy, like you said, kind of long, skinny uh, type player, but he was he's always been a good pass rusher. Did you follow Nebraska then um, the last few years when Randy was up here? Uh, I guess it would yeah, have been definitely. two seasons ago. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, what jumped out to you about what he was able to do here and and uh, hopefully he'll get healthy and, and, and be able to make his impact here in the NFL? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just like you said, I mean, definitely coming off that edge like he does and you know, he's got a great first step and he's got good hands and you know, just he's a good athlete, good football player, and and it's always fun to watch him on. Anytime I can flip on TV and watch one of my guys on Saturday, it's pretty cool. Now you're in Fishers, Indiana. What what would the college football demographic be there? Do you have a lot of Purdue fans, Indiana fans, Notre Dame fans? Uh, what is the makeup of, of fans out where you're at? Yeah, we're we're pretty we're pretty much right in the middle, Purdue and IU. So there's there's a big mix. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of our kids in our school go to IU. Um, and, and some go to Purdue too, but I'm from Northern Indiana originally, so I've, I've always been a Notre Dame fan too. So it's a it's a good mix of a uh, little bit of everything around here. You're getting used to Nebraska being in the Big Ten. I think this will be year six now, but I know it's taking people a while to adjust, uh, especially in the traditional Big Ten footprint. Yeah, there's no doubt it's, it's it's neat to see. I like it. I think it's made it better, and and the competition's good, and it's a, it's it's a good thing. I think. I think that was one thing that, you know, as far as Colin being able to still be in the Big Ten and, and you know, knowing that, that, you know, he comes to Purdue or wherever, we'll be able to go watch and play. And I think that was a, that was a plus for him, too. Well, Coach May, we appreciate the time and uh, congratulations on uh, producing another uh, Division One player here to Nebraska. Yep, I'm excited and look forward to it. Well, Hamilton head coach, Hamilton Southeastern head coach Scott May, our guest, uh, will come back here on the Husker Online Show. We'll close things down with Nate Klaus with more recruiting talk. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show as we are the weekend before signing day. And that means Nate Klaus is a pretty busy guy as um, he and the rest of the HOL recruiting team have been working overtime. And Nate, we've kind of gotten to this point where there are just a few names left. Um, it's been a pretty seamless um, countdown to signing day from us, though. As we joked the other day, we're not chasing a lot of ghosts. I mean, the, the last few years... We've been chasing down late guys that had a temple offer, or, yeah. you know, uh, that Nebraska kind of put feelers out to because they missed on other guys. Well, what's impressed me about this staff is their key guys, they're all still in the picture where they're not moving on to plan B or even plan C. And let, let's start with this group. Lamar Jackson 
What do you know about his announcement, and what can you tell us how that's going to play out? Well, Lamar Jackson, the Rivals 100 safety out of uh, California, will be announcing his decision on February 2nd, the day before uh, signing day. He will. Uh, he actually had his decision date uh, pushed back from January 28th to uh, to uh, to the second. So <clears throat> he'll be announcing that via Bleacher Report video. Um, you know, from talking with him, he said he pretty much already has his mind made up. He's filmed the video already. Now, they, he did film the, a, a couple different endings just in case, you know, uh, there's any type of flip-flopping. A little or, switcheroo. Yeah, any type of late switcheroo. But, um, you know, he's basically been telling us for the last, you know, month, really, since the bowl game, that he's he's known his decision. Uh, and, and from kind of breaking things down, you know, his, his parents seem to feel comfortable with him leaving the West coast going to going to nebraska um there's a strong connection with keith williams who knows a, a lot of people um that uh, that the jackson family knows uh brian stewart has done a tremendous job of recruiting there and um and and lamar jackson himself has developed a really strong relationship with a couple a uh, couple of key targets some some commits at uh you know that nebraska has as well so all things right now are trending nebraska's way to, to land lamar jackson and he'd be a corner not a safety Right. Yeah. It, Rivals.com has him ranked as the number one safety in the nation, but he'd be coming in as a cornerback, which is, uh, you know, one selling point that Nebraska has been able to use for him because he he's confident enough in his abilities that he feels like he's a, a guy who could go, you know, man up on somebody out on an island. And and Brian Stewart thinks that he's going to be a boundary corner. And uh, and honestly, I, I think that that's uh, I think that's something he could definitely do. He's an unreal athlete, uh, tremendous athlete. And and his size and length are are. Uh, you know, very rare. At 6'2", 207 pounds, uh, he's, he's a monster. It would be a monster corner in this defense. All right, let's move on. Uh, a key 500-mile radius guy, Isaiah Simmons, out of Olathe North, um, recruited as an athlete. He could play wide receiver. He could play safety. He could play linebacker. I mean, this guy could play offensive line. I mean, yeah. he's, he's talented enough to play about any position you want to play him at down the road. Um, but he will be visiting Clemson this weekend. Um, he's in Michigan right now as we speak. He visited Nebraska last weekend. And um, I think a lot of people, Nate, when they talk about Isaiah Simmons, the fact that his communication is so limited, people, they go oh, Nebraska's out of it. But they're, they're definitely still in this. Uh, but yeah, this Clemson weekend is going to be very telling. Yeah, Nebraska's still in this. And, and really, they've been the, the main consistent team with him from the very beginning. He or, uh, Isaiah Simmons is a player that uh, you know really didn't pay much of attention to the recruiting process. And, and I think that his, uh, his lack of interest in the entire process had some teams initially kind of drop off from him because uh, they were reaching out, trying to, you know, trying to get things rolling and establish a relationship and just uh, he didn't really care about um, the recruiting process. To put it in perspective, he didn't take any unofficials right in the spring no, or the summer. No. Which no, is which is unheard of. Yeah, with a guy that with that many type of options that, that Isaiah Simmons had, yeah. He didn't visit anywhere. Um, you know, was not concerned about the recruiting process in the least bit. But Nebraska, you know, maintained communication, uh, was there really from the start uh, until now. Um, but you did have Michigan and Clemson come in late and offer um, you know scholarships late now they're recruiting him as a safety whereas Nebraska has said hey you can come in as whatever you want if you want to come in as a wide receiver we'll take you as a wide receiver and I think that appeals to Isaiah Simmons the other thing Nebraska has going for him is that he's an Omaha kid he he, he 
grew up in Omaha. I think he, he was uh, living in Omaha until he was eight or nine years old. Uh, then he moved to Kansas City. His father works for Nebraska Furniture Mart. Um, they still have family in Omaha. Um, you know, actually following his official visit to Lincoln, they, they drove to Omaha and spent the rest of the weekend uh, with his grandparents in, in, uh, in, in Omaha. Omaha. So there's a, there's a lot of connections there. Um, but, it, yeah, it's going to be difficult. Um, Nebraska's going to have to weather this storm of Dabo Sweeney and, and Brent Venables uh, this, this coming weekend. Now, again, he, he's, a, he's uh, taking a midweek visit to Michigan, but I really think that Clemson visit is the what you have to worry about if you're a Nebraska fan. We're talking countdown to Signing day here with Nate Klaus of Husker Online as uh, we break down the final key targets for Nebraska. Four-star wide receiver Desmond Fitzpatrick, Nate, another guy that will make his announcement. It's really Nebraska and Louisville right now. Yeah, Nebraska, Louisville, right at the tops of, of uh, Desmond Fitzpatrick's list. Indiana is still, um, you know, in consideration, I think, as a team that at least he's saying is a finalist. But I really do believe that this is a Nebraska, um, you know, a, a Nebraska lean, heavy Nebraska lean. In fact, Nebraska was going to have an official visitor of uh, a wide receiver official visitor come in this last weekend, but that visit was canceled, and which it to me tells you that, uh, that Desmond Fitzpatrick is in um, and really they've been the leader for Fitzpatrick ever since he came up to that Michigan State uh, recruiting weekend um, and that really I mean that really turned the tide I, I think with uh, with a number of guys uh, including Lamar Jackson and those two are very good friends they've they've been staying in, in uh, constant communication ever since that Michigan State weekend so uh, uh, Desmond Fitzpatrick is going to be announcing on Monday uh, February 1st at, at two o'clock and again, he's another one who's doing the Bleacher Report video, has already filmed the video, um, you know, and I think his decision is already is already made up as well. So um, you have to credit Keith Williams with the job that he's really done. He's established a, a tremendous relationship with uh, not only Desmond Fitzpatrick, but his family as well and, and the coaching staff there at Waterford Mott out of Michigan. So. Um, yeah, this would be a big pickup for Nebraska. Maybe the the final, you know, kind of the the crown jewel of the wide receiver class. Um, you know, in this two. One of the better season. wide receiver classes in Nebraska. If they get him, it will be one of the better classes on paper. I think Nebraska's ever put together. When you just look at the versatility oh, yeah. of the guys in this class. Yeah, Desmond Fitzpatrick at at six two, one hundred ninety five pounds. Um, you know, was was up for Player of the Year in Michigan. It was up for Mister Football in the state of Michigan. One De- Detroit Player of the Year. Um, you had Darion Grimm, who set set the the all time California record for touchdowns in the regular season. Um, and then JD Spielman, JD Spielman, who was Mister Mister Football in the state of Minnesota, and uh, you know set all sorts of records there. So yeah, you've got you got an extremely versatile group of wide receivers and a, a group of wide receivers that that. Have has a, just an unreal resume coming out of high school. Now let's move on uh, as, we, as we put a wrap here uh, on these uh, final targets. Chase Allen, a tight end. And the last name rings a bell to a lot of Husker fans. Terry Allen, his father, uh, the former Kansas Jayhawk head coach, who, mm-hmm. who probably didn't like Nebraska for much <laughs> of his life, um, is taking his son up here. And it's Nebraska, Nate, Iowa State, Michigan. Uh, you wonder if Michigan's going to have room for him based on all the numbers they have. Um, what's your take on that 
on that battle right now. Well, yeah, it's you're right. I don't think Terry Allen really liked Nebraska a whole lot when he was playing against them. But from talking with Chase, uh, his father has a, a tremendous amount of respect for Nebraska and has you know even before he took his official visit to Nebraska, had told him all about you know what what the program is all about and and what it's like there. And uh, he took an unofficial uh, for the BYU game, really liked it, and. Um, you know, and this is coming down to uh, to Michigan, Iowa State, and Nebraska. Uh, Iowa State's in the mix, I believe, because um, you know Chase lived in Ames for a while while his father was coaching there, and so there's some sort of connection with that program. But I think once again, you're seeing a, a Harbaugh Riley battle for a tight end down the stretch. Kind of like Matt Snyder, very a, much, a year ago, very much so. So, uh, and we all know how that played out. You know, Riley was able to to get uh, Snyder in the end, and. Um, you know, Chase Allen's going to be announcing his decision, um, you know, at the end of this week. And, um, you know, what's what's maybe concerning if you're a Nebraska fan is the fact that that uh, Jim Harbaugh did have the final in-home visit this week. Um, you know, Chase visited Nebraska last weekend, then immediately went on his official visit to Ames. And then Jim Harbaugh came in the next night, watched him play basketball, had an in-home visit after the basketball game, and then Chase... Um, they've invested in him is basically what you're saying. Yeah, they've invested in him. Now, the interesting thing is Michigan's numbers. They're sitting at 25 commitments. They've had a couple guys commit. They've had a couple guys decommit. Uh, but they're still in on probably 10 to 15 you know, really big targets uh, that they'd like to try and fit into this class. And I, I honestly, I don't know how they would do it. And out of those 10 to 15 guys, there's there's probably two to three other tight ends that they're heavily uh, recruiting as well, in addition to Chase Allen. So, um, you know, I think that may help Nebraska's chances a little bit. Um, but the, I think maybe the X factor, depending on, on, you know, if he were to go to Michigan, it, it might be because of academics. Chase is extremely smart. He's a 4.0 student. He's a 33 AC guy so uh, that could play a role in, in all of this as well and briefly just a quick thought it is Thursday morning a lot could still change but uh, Alaric Jackson the offensive tackle out of Detroit Michigan I probably butchered the first name there but um, what do you what can you say briefly on him I know there's potential that this could still change as of Thursday morning well, he's scheduled to come in on his official visit this weekend, but last time we had talked with him, he said he was unsure if that trip was still going to happen. He visited Iowa last weekend. Uh, now Mike Cavanaugh, coming off of, of landing Matt Farniak last night, is going in uh, to have an in-home visit with Alaric Jackson this evening, and I think to help solidify that trip uh, this weekend and give it one more shot to, to bring another offensive tackle into this class. Now, Alaric and Matt Farniak were on their visits to Iowa together, uh, I think that there's some sort of rapport there, which may help Nebraska uh, potentially. So we'll see what happens. But there's no question the Huskers would like to have two offensive tackles in this class if they can. And Alaric Jackson, at, at, you know, six seven, two hundred and eighty pound, um, you know, former basketball player that's really only played football for two years, uh, could be an extremely athletic guy to bring in into the mix there uh, at offensive tackle. Down You've the got road. the center and Bo Wilson, the two guards and Brokop and Reardon, one tackle and Farniak. You get Jackson, that would be the perfect five. That for, would be uh, the perfect five. Five high school linemen, really all from the Big Ten footprint. But, Nate, uh, great job this week. Um, make sure you, you get plenty of rest because we're going to need you next week yep. uh, with signing day and, and everything here rolling around. No doubt. Thanks a lot. All right, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Make sure you're on Husker Online here all throughout the weekend, all throughout the week. It is going to be a fun-filled week as we get ready for signing day. Thank you
Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.